the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we conclude this series in the book of 1 Corinthians, a study in the first letter to Corinth, as today we're in the last chapter. 1 Corinthians 16, some great verses in here like be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. But Pastor Sean picks up on another theme, and that's seeing the church as family, belonging to the family of God. ReachingForRealLife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free, but if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do so today. It's a place to give at ReachingForRealLife.org. Today's part two of the message called Family Business. Pastor Sean is in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and Matthew chapter 12. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. And we're told in the New Testament, we're told they sold houses, they sold resources. And some people get weird about that. When they look at Acts chapter 2, they get really bizarre because it's like, oh my gosh, you know, they shared their resources. And the phrase is actually there that says they didn't consider even their stuff their own. They shared it all. And oh my gosh, they were socialists. Oh, it's socialism. There, I knew it. Now, if, if you think of it pure, if you think of the church as an organization or this political entity, then yes, that's right. The, but to understand it crystal clear, you just got to understand, oh no, they, they weren't socialists, they were family. <laughs> they were just sharing with family. And oh, okay, that makes perfect sense. That's how they viewed each other. That's how they supported their mission. That's how they supported their ministries. That's how they cared for each other. Administered by the apostles and then passed on to church leaders, which is what Paul is advocating here in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 4. He's telling them how to do it. Take a sum appropriate to your income. In other words, proportionate giving. And he doesn't use the word tithe, but it's exactly what the tithe had been for God's people since before Jesus. Jesus had a chance to say no more tithing, but he didn't. When he talked about the tithe, he commended the tithe. And Paul doesn't in this setting use that word, but he says, bring an amount appropriate. Every week when you gather, bring an amount appropriate with your income. And then he tells them how to administer. This particular offering was to bless and meet a need in Jerusalem. See, what you see is the function of this family sharing responsibilities and resources because every member of the family shares in meeting the needs of the family. Now, Paul is coming because he's a Jewish leader, and this church is largely Jewish in its origins, from this understanding and idea of the tithe. You're like, well, wait a minute, the tithes were just the taxes for this nation. This nation never looked at itself as a nation, they were a family. They were a family. Yes, And there were different types of tithes. Tithe means a tenth, a tenth of your income. Listen to how he talks about the tithe, how God talks about the tithe in Malachi chapter 3, speaking through the prophet Malachi. And God is speaking. He says, will a man rob God? This is verse 8. He says, yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions or tithes and offerings. 
You are cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. This, make note of that. That's the only instance in Scripture where we're told to test God. In fact, we're told not to test God. But here's an exception. Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. That phrase, no more need, this is the ESV, that the literal translation of that, until you can't contain it. Until there's so much you can't contain it. See if I'll not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. I'll rebuke the devourer for you. Not only will I bless you to where you don't even have room to contain it, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruit of your soil. And the vine in your field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. I'll multiply your resources. I'll also protect your resources. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. The tithe was how the needs of God's house were met, but it's not without this promise, because a lot of people go, a tithe, 10%, we practice the tithe here. 10%, are you kidding me? Basically, based on my track record, I'm living on about 130% of my income. It's going to hit you. (laughs) How in the world can I live off of 90%? God just told you. He said, I want to bless you so much that I will do more. I will bless you more. You will have more with 90% and God than you could have on your own with 100%. That's what the promise of Scripture says. And what you find is that this is a discipline that God built into his people. You go, well, the tithe is part of the law. No, it wasn't. It was before the law. Abraham tithed. Before Moses This is one of those things that carries on. And Paul is now teaching these people this principle of God caring for you so much and blessing you so that you can be generous. And that he literally will do more with 90% than you could do with 100. You go, well, that's that's impossible. That's that's mathematically impossible. Well, yeah, except he's God. (laughs) And he absolutely can and does do that. And there are people all over this room, all throughout this church, who have experienced this. And it's life-changing. Look how Paul said it in another letter, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6-12, talking about, again, he's talking about giving and, and, and sharing together in the needs of the body. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Listen to this and see if it doesn't remind you of what he said in Malachi. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving, thanksgivings to God. That same language, you remember Jesus said, give and it'll be given to you. And he didn't say eked out, just enough. 
just so you don't starve. No, the language he used was, given it'll be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God is trying to teach us something through this thing called the tithe. Not only does he meet the needs of the fellowship, not only does he carry out the mission of the church and all the things that that means, but he's training us mathematically to prove the faithfulness of God. Because when I experience this, when I am faithful in this principle, and I experience the faithfulness of God, and I really do see, wow, I've begun tithing, and I actually am fine. In fact, I maybe have a little more than I had before, or I didn't lose anything. You are mathematically proving the faithfulness of God, which, by the way, changes how you look at God in every other area. If I can trust God with something as everyday as money, which we handle all the time, maybe I can trust him in my marriage. Maybe I can trust him in my home. Maybe I can trust him in my profession. Maybe I can trust him with this nation. Oh, dear Lord, help us. Maybe he really is God. And this isn't just theory. This is, this is bra- down to the brass tacks. This is rubber meets the road kind of stuff. But that's what this gift of, that's, God talks so much about money because it's you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And he wants to set us free. And in that, we also get to be a part of all the ministry of how the church and how the fellowship is funded. And you're like, well, I mean, what really is there? Everything that happens here on weekends. All the support for all our community groups that happen all over the city throughout the week. Worship, which we just enjoyed together. The teaching ministry, not just this teaching ministry, but, but all the different classes, all the different things that are happening. How about all our ministry to kids? All the incredible ministries we do to children and families and youth. How about the marriage ministries? So many people have been impacted by re-engage. That happens here in the building that's paid for by our tithes, supported by pastors and administrators that are, that are supported out of our tithes. All these ministries. How about our ministry to the poor, real-life real Christian assistance? And all the, the thousands of people that are fed each week through this ministry. Where do you think all that happens from? The buildings, the people who support it, all of that. The new ministry that we've been able to start because of our Spanish pastor, Joan Mora, started called VTI. Real Life Vocational Training Institute. Where we are literally teaching people air conditioning, maintenance and care. So they can have a career and a job. And that's something that is exciting, that is new, but it happens in these buildings. It happens here. It happens through the support of this ministry. I mean, this is all these things that happen. Our our international ministries, our missions and outreach, the ministries that we partner with and support, it all happens through here. Folks, I just want to say this is our ministry. It's our responsibility, and the family shares in the family responsibilities. And I want to encourage you, if you've been afraid, oh, I can't afford to, just try it. Dive in. See what God does. Try it. He said, test me in this. Go ahead, do it. Try it. And I just want to say, if, if you're not supporting this ministry and you're a part of it, why not? Because, man, God is doing some awesome stuff. And we work, we work really hard here. We work really hard to, to squeeze the dollar out every dime. And we get a lot of ministry for bang for our buck. And I'm just going to candidly speak to you in the under the, this deal of family business, uh, COVID has been hard on the finances of this church. It really has. You know, whether you're watching online, you're going, well, I'm not going, and I guess I haven't really thought about giving, or whatever the case is. It has been difficult. But God has always been faithful. He's always been our provider. We don't pass a plate. 
We have our offering boxes. People give as the Lord directs them and leads them. But I want to encourage you. If this is your church, this is your family. And we're all supposed to be a part of that. Truth is, you never understand the church until you learn to see the church as family. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Family Business. It's in the series on Unity Called One, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry to continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. In fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast Podcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion of the message, Family Business. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Second thing, and this is really important, Paul makes this very clear through this passage, is family is accountable to one another. We are accountable to one another. We're not free agents. We belong to each other. A lot of people are nervous about that. They really like the come-and-go model of church where I, I like the smorgasbord kind of thing. Oh, I love this, this teaching over here, and I love the worship over here, and oh, I'm in this great class over here. And what's nice is I get to kind of pick and choose, and I'm my own little church. And I just use a little bit off of each of these churches. And, and nobody really knows where I am. Nobody ever asks if I'm gone. And that's great and all. Well, it's actually messed up. <laughs> But it kind of can work in your mind until all of a sudden something goes wrong and you have a need. And now you're not a part of a church. See, Paul describes a church where we are accountable to one another, where we belong to each other. I mean, and that does involve a healthy level of leadership and authority. Remember in verse 1, he said, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. Wow, Paul, you're kind of authoritative there. No, he's an apostle. He's a leader over the church. Verse 15 and 16, remember he talked about the household of Stephanus? They were the first ones to convert in Achaia. He said, they've devoted themselves to service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. That word submit means it's be subject to. In some cases in the New Testament, that same word is translated obey. Be submitted to their leadership. It's like, whoa, that's that's where some people get really weird. I don't want to be submitted to anybody. I want to do what I want to do. This is voluntary. I do what I want. Understand something. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, one of the first things he does is plant you in a family. And that's not voluntary. You either obey or you don't. And it's a gift. It's what he wants for you. It's it's a blessing. But a lot of people, out of fear of commitment, they kind of just hang back and, ooh, I I don't want to experience any of that. And because of that, they miss it. 
They miss the church. And they're always on the outskirts, coming in a little late, leaving a little early, make sure no one sees me. And then I get to sitting back, and I get to point fingers. Well, they're not doing that right. Oh, they're not. Well, I read about a church somewhere, and, you know, here's what they're doing. I'm like, you don't know jack about that church. Go live among them for a while. Then you'll know that church. You know, if you're not living among us, you don't really know much about us. Because we're family. And there's that level of accountability. We belong to each other. Like a family. You know, if you're going to be part of a family, even as our kids were adults, young adults living in our house, yes, they got a whole lot more privilege and they were free and they're young adults, they're free to do a lot of things, but you're going to be part of this family living in our house. You're going to let us know where you're going. You're going to be respectful. You're still going to help share the responsibility. You're a part of the household. You're a part of the family. Even now, they have their own households, but we're still family. It, it changes that relationship, but we, have, we still have this uh, issue of being connected, or this, this, this situation of being connected to each other, and a level of healthy, appropriate accountability and sharing. That's what family does. You'll never understand the church until you learn to see the church as family. Another thing family does, number three, family challenges and encourages each other as we grow. Challenges and encourages each each other as we grow. We are, one of the things we talk about, we talk about being responsible or owning one another's spiritual growth. We're all here to help each other grow. Here's the thing. Um, If our little three-year-old child, all of a sudden, three years go by, now they're a six-year-old child and they haven't grown, we are very concerned. That's messed up. That's not healthy. That's not normal. It is, it is the same thing. If you've been a believer for five years, and then all of a sudden, 10 years down the road, you're exactly the same, that is not normal. That is not healthy. You should grow. You should become more like Jesus. You should be, you should be more patient. Ooh, now he's gotten to meddling. You should be uh, more wise. Have more of the mind of Christ. Just maturity. Paul in, in this passage, remember, this is where he's telling them. He just kind of goes coach on them. Verses 13 and 14, he said, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. In the midst of all this family business, he just stops and he encourages them. See, that's what family does. We challenge and encourage each other. Who is close enough to you in your Christian community to be challenging and encouraging you? That's why we encourage everybody to be in a community group. You need some people who can challenge and encourage you, who know you personally. You know, it's kind of tough for a total stranger to come up and kind of, you know, share a word with you, either positive or even a kind of a rebuke when you need it. But for people who are close to me, people who are family, people who know me, who love me, and I know that we're committed to each other, well, I can receive that. And it's appropriate. That's what the family does. We encourage each other. We challenge each other to grow, to serve, to experience what Christ has for us. It's a part of this whole thing. We challenge and encourage each other. Let me just tell you something. If there's someone in your community, in my community, I'm in a community group, there's someone all of a sudden who I notice, um, yeah, I don't know their family's doing too well. 
I know I, I talked to them and we found they're spending a whole lot more time at work than is really healthy and they're focused and they're under, gun, uh, under the gun all the time, under pressure and their family's being neglected and I start to see it negative. I'm going to go say something to them. You know, well, Sean, but isn't that judgmental? No, that's called love. That's called caring about somebody. Who are you close enough to who cares for you enough, who if you start to drift, and anyone, it can happen to any of us. It happens to pastors. It happens to business leaders. It happens to people all over. We just get lose perspective and get caught up. And the family, that's when the family helps and comes and encourages and challenges and holds accountable. Helps me stay on the path of following Jesus when maybe I'm getting a little lost in the weeds. And right now, man, there's a whole lot of weeds in the world. A whole lot of things for us to get lost in. We need each other. See, I don't think you're ever going to understand the church until you understand the church and learn to see the church as family. Number four, family cares for each other. Not only do we challenge and encourage, help provide for, we care for each other. And one of the ways care, sometimes that is provision. I've seen our community groups do a wonderful job of caring for one another. We've supported them in that at times when there's a need. That's what Paul began this whole thing about. This was about gifts for a need that had arisen in Jerusalem. And the church was giving regularly to prepare to help meet those kind of needs. We support one another. In 10 and 11, remember he says, talking about Timothy, when he comes, make sure he, ha, he, he, no one should treat him with contempt. Make sure he has nothing to worry about or fear. Send him on his way in peace. We care for each other. We comfort each other. Paul talks about this. He's the apostle. He's receiving comfort in, in seven, verses 17 and 18. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunus, and Achaeus arrived because they supplied what was lacking from you. In other words, I missed you. And visiting with them was like being with you. For they refreshed my spirit and they've refreshed yours also. Such men deserve recognition. I've mentioned a couple times, I just want to stop and say it really clearly. Um, the way we do this at River City, the best way we do it, is community groups. Community groups. A group of people who know your name, who you're praying with, who you're sharing with, who support, encourage, and love you. I strongly encourage you, if you're not in a community group, you're missing out on some of the best at this fellowship that our faith has to offer. Don't miss that. You'll never understand the church until you learn to see the church as family. And one of the best ways that we walk out family together is by being in community groups together. You can go to reallife.org. You can look up community groups. You can sign up to become a part of a group. You can contact Pastor Jim, our group's pastor, and he can help you with that. Last thing, the bond that holds the family together is the bond of love. Listen to the language that Paul uses, and this should be striking to you. If you've ever been tempted to look at the church in kind of this institutional sense, listen to the language he uses. This is chapter 16, verse, verse 19. He says, the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. So does the church that meets at our house. All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And then he ends and says, my love to, you, to all of you in Christ Jesus. You see, he's, that's not the duty of love. That's not, well, I'm an apostle. I should probably love you. So yeah, there, I love you. Love you, man. No. There is something there. This is true affection. 
He actually loves them. He misses them. They are family. See, the church is not a club. It's not a nonprofit. It's not a business. It's not a building. We are a community of people who love each other. And what do we call that? A family. That's who we are. God so loved the world, he sent Jesus. And we, of all people, should understand what it means to be filled with love. But do you understand, having been loved like that, having been filled with his love, the most natural response in the world is we should love one another. It should just be easy. I'm not saying it's always easy. Because some of you guys can be a pain sometimes. I mean, I'm not ever, but I mean, you guys can... No, all of us have the capacity, we have the ability to be a pain in the neck once in a while, right? Because we're people. But love is that thing that says, yeah, but I'm still committed to you, you're my family. And we as family, we can have our family squabbles and we work it out and get over it and move on. Let someone else talk about the family though. I get really bothered on social media when people are always ripping on the church. Because like, I, I know some of it's true. Some of it's not true. Some of it might be true, But I also know, because I'm a part of the family. I'm a part of the family. If you've never been part of a church family and all you've done is attend, sit in the back, come, come late, leave early, then, yeah, you have no idea what this is about. You still think this is a show of some kind or a, a nonprofit business. You don't understand the core of who we are. We are a family. We were birthed in love. God sent his son to love us. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what we're celebrating. And then he was resurrected and he filled us with his spirit. So we are filled with the spirit of love. The most natural thing in the world should be us loving one another. And you know what happens then? That makes the church contagious. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue on the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.